By now, you've heard about Global Poker, one of the fastest growing online card rooms available in the US and Canada today. So what's stopping you from trying it out? Global Poker is a safe and secure social poker site that uses their own patented sweepstakes model. Signing up is easy. You can use Google, Facebook, or just an email address. You can always play for free on Global Poker, but you can also buy gold coins for additional play, which will earn sweeps coins that can be redeemed for real cash to a bank account, Skrill account, or even as a gift card. Get a free 5,000 gold coins when you sign up right now at GlobalPoker.com. Poker Stories is an audio series that features casual interviews with some of the game's best players and personalities. Each episode highlights a well-known figure in the poker world and dives deep into their favorite tales, both on and off the felt. Hello and welcome to Poker Stories, a podcast brought to you by Card Player, the Poker Authority, and hosted by me, Julio Rodriguez. This is episode number 122, featuring England's Toby Lewis. Uh, Thanks to his father, Toby got a very early start in poker, uh, learning the game as a teenager. He was just 20 years old when he broke out on the live tournament circuit, winning the EPT Villamora main event in Portugal for $600,000. His next few years on the circuit were full of close calls, final tabling the PokerStars Caribbean Adventure main event, the WPT Merit Classic, the WPT LA Poker Classic twice, and also a deep run in the WSOP main event. Then in 2018, he found the winner's circle yet again, this time in the Aussie Millions main event for a huge $1.15 million payday. He went back to Australia the next year and did just as well, pocketing a combined $1.2 million by finishing runner-up in the 25k high roller and then winning the 50k high roller the next day. This year, he won two online WSOP circuit rings before returning to live poker at the Win Summer Classic in July. Toby battled through a field of 1,328 players, eventually making a three-handed deal with Andrew Moreno and Clayton McGuire to bank $1.235 million. That now puts Toby at around $8 million earned for his career. Enough stats, enough intro. Here is my conversation with Toby Lewis. I'm here with the one and only Toby Lewis. Toby, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'm excited to have you on. You know, especially, it seems like uh, you're having a, a great year uh, <laughs> in the, on the poker tables. Um, we'll obviously get to talking about that. But first, uh, we have to go back to the beginning because on this show we, we talk about the origin story, about how you first got into poker. And I know that you particularly got into poker very early in life. Can you talk about that? Um, yeah, I started playing cards uh, like down the pub with my dad uh, at an early age. He got me into some degenerate um, card games and I just... I guess as soon as I started playing poker, I kind of fell in love with it and thought that the uh, strategy side of it and the gambling part of it meshed together pretty well. And yeah, that was that. I uh, I was playing down the casino when I was 18 in Southampton um, and traveling around everywhere just after that, just trying to trying to run it up. What was your ambition before poker? Like growing up, did you have something in mind that 
you wanted to do? No, I didn't. I didn't. Not really. No, I. I was a bit. Uh, even when I can't remember how old I was, probably like sixteen. And you, you go through these like um, things at school where they're they're t- asking you what you want to do. And one guy wants to be a doctor, and one guy wants to be a lawyer. And uh, I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do. I'm not yeah. sure. Poker, not sure. Poker was on the uh, on the list back then, but. Yeah, I guess that's one thing. It wasn't like you stood up and said, I want to be a professional poker player, and then get, got right. laughed out of the room, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> all right, so, you know, it sounds like there there was uh, some encouragement on your dad's side um, for this. Did he have a lot of gamble, or? Uh, yeah, a lot of bad gamble. He used to, he played slots and liked to gamble. Basically, just like he lived week to week, paycheck to paycheck, and gambled it away most most weeks or most months so i think i i i for some i don't really know how but i understood that it was like a bad thing at the time and i guess i learned the probabilities behind it and i I, you know i was trying to tell him i was like dad this is not going to end up well when i was like 13 or something and uh i think just all of those things combined with playing cards and and being competitive and uh enjoying the strategy side of it sort of got me addicted to start with yeah so were you ever attracted to the other side of the casino the pit game slots and stuff like that or did he kind of like uh take the beating for you in that regard so you wouldn't have to yeah i think he did uh maybe it's just lucky that i can like learn from other people's mistakes every now and again with things like this but I've just never really had a desire. I mean, I've played some pit games here and there, but just like for someone that's been gambling for as long as I have or playing poker professionally, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I've, I don't know. I've wagered like a couple thousand bucks in the pit in my life, like complete. Oh, wow. <laughs> just like a, not just, yeah, a, a zero sum. Yeah. There are, there are plenty of top pros who beat that amount last night. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this early start because uh, you were in school, right, and decided to make poker your focus. I'm sure that didn't sit well with mom. <laughs> it did not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of it was sort of a focus and sort of just I didn't know what else to do and and I was enjoying playing poker and I had made some friends down the casino, so it it, it was more of a I could understand now why she was uh, annoyed about it to be honest, but. I mean, it worked out well. Um, oh, I, I work in poker, and I can understand. It would terrify me if my 18-year-old said he, they wanted to play poker for a living, you know? And sure, I have all the sure. resources available to make it, you know, a decent chance of being successful. Yeah, and I yeah. still would scare me, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. And obviously back then, what, this was like 2008 or 2000, late 2007, uh, it was way less structured or as to, you know, what how to be a professional you know so uh it i can understand it now even though i didn't at the time how uh how worried she would be about it did you have any uh role models at the time like people who had a roadmap for you to follow um i i had a a friend of mine that went to so i was in uh college which is like whatever high school and um a friend of mine that i met down the casino he was at university uh, in Southampton, and he was playing online poker, 
and beating, I can't remember what stakes he was playing back then. I think he was playing like, you know, 10, 20, no limit, 25, 50, no limit on, uh, online and like doing pretty well. And I just used to go around his house and, and, and sit there and watch him play and like talk to him. And we would just like hang out all night. You know, I'd, I'd go to bed at 7am and, um, I think his sort of, even though I didn't really know it at the time, but his mentorship really sort of helped because after a couple of months he was like, oh, you should like be going to play yourself now. You know enough. And he was right. I knew enough to beat it. Well, it, I knew enough to beat the small cash games or whatever they were in Southampton or, the, you know, the tournament scene live because it wasn't the toughest competition. Yeah, can you describe that scene? Like, what kind of games were were there around there? Uh, this was the the Grovner Casino. The Grovner Casino. Yeah, yeah. We used to play. Uh, what did we used to play? Tw- Twenty five pence, fifty pence. So, well, it was probably like fifty cent a dollar back then. And uh, there wasn't there was there was rarely dealers back then. You basically just had dealers for like a final table. So we would sit around like this tiny little round table. And uh, nine people would pass the deck around, and one you would cut, you cut to the right, shuffle to the left, and the, the guy would deal. And uh, we played like that for I don't know, good, good year, eighteen months. I can't remember. Were there any uh, shenanigans going on with the uh, with the self deal? <laughs> I mean, I I thinking about that now. I think I was very naive to it at the time. I'm sure there was, but there there was a cut card, so. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully not, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if there was. I mean, it, it was a relatively small game, so. But yeah. I mean, odds exactly. are that it, it, there probably was some cheating in there. Yeah, it's it's, it's, an, it's nice that we have dealers uh, in these casinos to do it for us, so we don't have to worry about that, right? Well, yeah, um, for multi- multiple reasons. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so you were traveling the circuit pretty early, right? How did that happen? Do you, were you winning online satellites or? just putting up the cash um, yourself I, I i i can't remember what happened but i think i i went and played uh, a a tournament series in brighton which is like you know a couple hours drive from me with a friend of mine and i won a uh a 200 pound um side event for like five thousand. and with the when you win that one it, it it came with a um, seat into an eleven hundred tournament in Ireland, uh, like a month later, and so like I was obviously real pumped about that more so was, than like. Real quick, getting... was this the uh, was this the two thousand nine Ladbrokes Easter Ladbrokes. rendezvous? Yeah, it was in Killarney. I don't, I, I can't remember. It was definitely sponsored by Ladbrokes. Yeah, the Rendezvous Casino in Brighton. Yeah, yeah, that was the tournament that I won. Yeah. And uh, I think that just sparked my interest after going to that that tournament in Kalani um, for for playing more like bigger live events. So I I, I was playing already online a little bit, um, but not really delving into the satellites. And then I started playing every satellite there was basically, uh, and I, I I won like a couple more um, online torn uh, live tournaments just to try and like. Or, or not one, but uh, I chopped one in Nottingham like a couple of weeks later. Basically, I span up like a 5,000 roll to like a 30,000 roll in like a month. And like that was that was basically huge for me, you know, 
because I could like grow exponentially from there. Yeah, you made a few final tables, uh, had a win there, and then obviously, uh, I, well, I guess you played EPT Prague before the big win. Um, yeah, well, was that was that a situation where you just bought directly in, or? Yeah, I mean, back then I didn't really understand uh, that there was like a staking model or whatever, so um, I I never sold anything. I never had anybody else buy a piece of anything until i don't know maybe like i played a a high roller in 2011 or two that maybe 2010 but i might have sold a few pieces to to that but um certainly at the start i wasn't even aware that you could be staked which was i mean an absolute blessing i think now because it's so hard for these guys to run it up that are staked uh on makeup deals or you know However, right when if you can win that uh that first big one on your own cash then you set up for a while right yeah uh, for sure and i was i which... wasn't i wasn't like stupid with my money either i was as like i said earlier i wasn't in the pit gambling and i wasn't i was aware that like i could reinvest it back into poker and it would hopefully do better than any, playing anything else or betting on sports or whatever yeah you had a few ept caches they were uh, min caches and then you, uh, obviously, the big one, you, you took down EPT Villamora for uh, just shy of 600,000 American. Mm-hmm. Um, you were 20 at the time, 19, 20? Uh, 2010. I think I was still 20 at the time. Yeah, so, I mean, that's obviously got to be life-changing money for a 20-year-old, and, you know, off you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of a similar thing where I had... Uh, my role was, I can't remember what it was. I might have had 100,000 or maybe even less. And I bought directly in, which is obviously probably a terrible thing to do. <laughs> a terrible thing to do. And uh, I think I had like 90% of myself. I, I, I had a couple swaps. And so I went from like this 100,000 roll to like half a million. And I'm just like, this 20-year-old me has no idea what to do with this money, you know. Um not like I was like listening at school that much shockingly so uh I, although they probably don't tell you that much as to what to do with your uh how to invest your money but maybe mm-hmm. they should teach that in school um so I definitely lost a good amount of it back to start with and uh I think I can't remember what happened but a, a light went off in my head one day where like I'd lost half of it back maybe just like playing too much or playing too high or you know spending and uh i was just like i can't i can't waste all this money now i gotta like do something with it so i was i started being more conservative after that i think well we do have a few questions here uh, before we get to the other results um the best shot you ever took and the worst shot you ever took so i'm guessing ept villamora might have been the best shot right (laughs) um yeah i mean actually probably uh the 50k one in Australia, or the 25k one in Australia, was probably the best shot because I wasn't really that concerned about playing, but like I had a, I had some money there, and the field looked good, so I was in, and I took a big piece of myself, and then I won that, and then I went on to played the 50k afterwards because i won that and like won that as well or you know chopped it or whatever oh wow so it was like a so uh, it was a, it was a pile anyway. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, what about the worst shot you ever took? One where it's just like you knew you knew it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> um, I mean, I I think I played a hundred k World Series event and I took far too big a piece of myself. Uh, I probably had like over half myself in in one of those, which was a bad idea. Um, I don't know of too many other like crazy ones because like I said after losing some of that money back in 2010 2011 or whatever I just I kind of realized that well I definitely didn't realize the variance but I understood that there was variance basically I guess after a, a minute yeah you had a you had a bunch of caches in 2011 but it wasn't you know the deeper uh runs and big cash that uh you had in 2010 uh but you got some of it back in 2012 with second place finish and uh, at EPT Monte Carlo side event, and then um, where's my notes here? And then um, I don't even remember. Get, Let me check. Well, you, the you final tabled the LAPC for the first time in 2013. Yeah. yeah. Um, was would that that was probably the start of you coming over to the states, right? Yeah, it was pretty much. I mean, actually, I came before that. Whenever I turned 21, I came and played the World Series. But I had a really bad first World Series. And I was staking a couple of people at the time. And um, I I left before the main event. It was that bad. Like, I had I had a role and I was staking a couple of people. And I was just like, it was going so badly. My first trip to Vegas. And I kind of got caught up in all of the vegasness that happens when you first come and so i guess that was 2011 was probably my first series and uh i left before the main event because i was just like i'm running out of money here i need to go back that's, on. Un- that's unheard of <laughs> i know right uh, obviously i would never do it now but uh i was like i need to i need to get back to uh england and play online where where my where my bread and butter is or what i thought back then was and uh, I'll be able to, like, recoup my losses. And then uh, one of my guys cashed the main event, I don't know, for, like, 30K or something. And I won uh, some money online and span it back up again. But I was pretty close to going broke, I think, then. Wow, so that was the close call. Uh, you know, you mentioned staking. You're one of the few people, I think, that maybe won money staking people. Um, I had Mark Herm on the podcast, and he said he also... Uh, got lucky in that regard. Uh, I know you don't do it much anymore, or at all, maybe. But uh, can you talk about your adventures in backing people? Yeah, um, yeah, I don't do it anymore. I'm, I'm happily out of that stuff. Don't ask them, guys. Don't ask them. It's a little too crazy now. Yeah, exactly. Don't ask. <laughs> um, I'm too tough with the markups as well. People, I don't know. I feel like people think they're better than they are. Um, so. I started staking uh, a, a, a close friend of mine. <laughs> I can hear your uh, dog in the background. Yeah, that's my dog, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I started staking a uh, a close friend of mine who I thought was, like, just as good as I was or better, but he just didn't, ha- he didn't you know, get, get as lucky as I did at the time to spin up a roll. And... Um, uh, so I started staking him, and it was going pretty well. And, uh, I mean, this was like 2011, 2012 probably. So 
there was volume coming out of your nose whenever you wanted to play basically you could and everything was pretty good value and um can you relax please (laughs) thank you sorry and um then i took on another friend of mine and it kind of just turned into a little stable i I can't remember how many people it was probably like seven or eight in the end but all just like high level pros that like have done really well on their own now so it wasn't just like picking up a random guy on the street you know um i i think i just obviously i got lucky like they like one of my guys won a bracelet, one of my guys won uh, EPT, one won a, a GUKPT, uh, I can't remember what else, there was like other UK events, basically just like they won at the right time rather than getting fifth every time somehow. Yeah, I mean, you, you're probably responsible for some of the louder rails we've seen. <laughs> you guys are yeah, we, the, the we had for uh, showing up. Yeah, yeah, we definitely had some good rails uh back in the day less so these days i guess but i don't english people are one of the only people that don't have to pay taxes on poker and there's like not very many english people that play poker anymore so i don't really understand that but it's uh there's not really as many uh rails as there used to be unfortunately do you feel like the community has shrunk a lot yeah i mean i'm not really involved in it to be honest anymore um so it's certainly shrunk for me but i i mean i'm sure there's like a a younger group of uh english guys coming up but you know um uh black friday really messed with a lot of the ecosystem in that sense i think just you know prevented a lot of people from taking it up at an early age where you probably need to where you have less responsibilities in life yeah, the people. The misconception is that it only affected Americans, but obviously there was a a player pool shortage uh, in the rest of the world that caused some ripple effects, and a bunch of sites had to reorganize and you know restructure. Oh, uh, we for have- sure. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously Americans had money locked up for a long time, but we we also had a bunch of money locked up as well back yeah. even back then. So. Uh, we have a question here. What's the best swap or piece you've ever had of anybody? Um, so the best uh, is this is pretty good story. Um, I was backing. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't think you care. Uh, I was backing Tom Middleton uh, with a friend of mine, and it was during uh, EPT Barcelona that he won, and he was offered a deal with five people left and I was on the rail, but my, my, the other guy that has a piece is, uh, flying from London to New York, like just for a a holiday with his girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Uh, just, just randomly. And so, uh, I was like, Midi, you, this, this deal is terrible. Like you're way better than all four of these people. And I, I had had a couple of drinks at the time as well, but like I really believed in <laughs> that he was going to win the tournament, you know. And uh, so, short story is, I ended up like guaranteeing his deal for him, uh, rather than him accepting it with the other four people, which they weren't very happy about. But it basically meant that if he got fifth, like me and my backer, me and my partner, 
we would have lost like I don't know fifty thousand or something on the tournament and him getting fifth. And <laughs> <laughs> I think we needed like third to break even, and then first we would have you know won a bunch more. And uh, he didn't. He landed like a few hours later in New York, and and Midi had already won. And so he's got like fifty messages on his uh, on his WhatsApp. He rings me and he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" I never would have said yes to this. And I'm like, bro, I just made us another 100,000 each or something. Like, are you not happy? He's like, no. And he went off at me and I was like, ah, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, that time time it worked out. Right, it worked out, yeah. I mean, I would probably do it again, to be honest. That was probably one of the the more fun things I did. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, and and it's got to be funny for the other four players to be negotiating with you instead of of the actual – guy in the seat uh yeah they certainly weren't very happy about it (laughs) um all right let's move on through your own personal results because you've had plenty uh final table wpt merit classic ept pca all right so the pca you finished fourth for a quarter of a million dollars that was an, an interesting tournament wasn't that the same tournament where um was it martin Martin McCar- Martin McCormick, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where you went viral on, in a hand against Martin McCormick? <laughs> well, he was. I think he was drunk a lot, and he. I, I can't remember. I think he he satellited him, right? I believe so. Yeah. So yeah, he 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 satellited in, and and he was trying to talk people into folding. Basically, just like you know, trying try and use whatever power he could to try and get stuff out of people yeah he had a lot of speaking comfortable and i try and i don't know i guess i had some ego in there and i was like he's not going to make me feel uncomfortable so uh i uh i sort of gave it gave it back to him a little bit but it was pretty funny at the time dealing with uh dealing with his antics but if we look at this though McCormick's range from under the gun, barreling off First on this position board. on this board is got to be strong. It's got to be strong, right? I mean, and and we've been watching McCormick all day long. He has not got out of line. Like, he was folding buttons when it was folded to him. Like, he has been folding a lot of spots. So when he raises in the first spot here against this lineup right after the redraw, he's got to have a premium hand, right? Tens, queens, kings, ace, jack makes tons of sense here. Like, ace-shack with the ace of spades makes perfect sense in this situation. Kings, queens, tens, king-queen. I don't think he has aces. I mean, I'm trying to create a hand that's a bluff here. It's really just... It's got to be, like, ace-ten with the ace of spades. Ace-ten offsuit. Does he raise that under the gun? Does he even raise that? Yeah, probably not. What do you think Toby Lewis has after all this thinking? Wow. Do you you think he could possibly have a low flush, like five-six of spades? No. don't know if it's possible with the stack sizes pre-flop starting Right, would he really call on the button there with five, six of spades? There's a chance. There's a chance. Some players do, some players don't. <sighs> he must have, you think he has a queen? The could ace he, queen, could he have? Could he have the ace queen? Could he have That's the queen jack with like the jack of spades? But again, would he call that offsuit pre-flop? Probably not. So it's most likely ace queen offsuit makes a lot of sense. Ace pre-flop. queen makes a lot of sense. Maybe could be ace king offsuit. He called pre-flop with ace king. Just called against under the gun here. That would be possible. That's definitely it is possible 2016. Too. People That's do true. call. People do call with ace king in this spot. Of course, we know if he had a boat, he would have called already. Yes, He's no. going to let it go. He promised he'd show his hand. Yes, 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 yes. Show, show, show. 
Ace three of hearts? What? What in the world? Wow, that is a sick head stone. Nothing. Wow. Wow. Did you like the way he, he was just showing it to you? Wow, that is a boss play. That is the play of the day. Twitch chat hasn't seen it yet. That is going to be an explosion. What? What in the world just happened there? Well, he got the best of you in that hand, but obviously you got the better of him in the tournament. You finished fourth. He finished 11th. So suck on that one, Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but that wasn't the only time you went viral on, in, a, in a hand on poker. Um, I think you had a hand that Mike Sexton called the craziest hand he's ever seen. That might be the most weirdly played hand in history of poker. One of them, certainly. Um, the, the quads versus quads against Andrew Robel. Yeah, that was... Uh, every, every now and again, I, I hear someone like... Someone hits me up on uh, a social media platform, and they're like, "Have you ever seen this hand before?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, like a couple million times now." It's uh, it, I think it just keeps getting recycled here, here everywhere. But it's I think it's mostly because of people's reactions. Right, Yevgeny Yevgeny Timoshenko's in the seat next to you guys, just like his jaw on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All three players have pairs. That's something you don't see very often. Free flop. Button in the blinds. Oh! It's Quads, come queen, queen, house. nine. Oh, my God. Goodbye, Andrew Robo. Wow. Yeah, nice having yeah, you here. But zero percent. It's such a hard place to Some be drawing. It's so from, hard to it? flop a full house and be zero percent. It's really, really wow. hard. They're both trying to figure out how can I get all the money in. I'm in shock. Maybe. They raised him on the flop. I mean, that's the first thing. I would have never thought yeah. the guy's going to make a On the call. flop, that was, well, I think, horrible. <laughs> Like a horrible play. In hindsight, these will be the worst seven minutes he spent on his well. trip to London when he got <laughs> yeah, outflossed by quads. He'll be looking at on the airplane ride home in his mind, too. Oh, boy. Toby on the other hand. Still just black calling. Well, they're just calling here. Because he's thinking my butt, my opponent might be bluffing. I, 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 that's, that's what it has to be. That's what it has to be. The only thing would make it worse if a nine comes up on the river. Right. <laughs> oh, oh my, my God. God! That was sick. Can you believe this? Oh my Lord! That quads was so over quads. Sick. I can't believe that. It's kind of unfair. Oh my Lord! So now, <laughs> so now he's like, oh my God. He's like, wow. Uh, my opponent can't have queen nine. Hopefully he has queen five. You know, or well, Toby must be thinking, geez, what can this guy have to be calling with well, all this way? One thing we know for sure. Just in case he checks it, he is going to get a wager. I don't believe I've ever seen this before. I, no, my, me either. This is a first for me. Ten years of cards. <laughs> well, he's moved all in and quickly called and let Robo turn up his hand first. Oh. Four nines against four three. Look at Timoshenko's face. Look at Toby Lewis. Look at Timoshenko. Look at Timoshenko. Look at Timoshenko. Look at Timoshenko. For yeah. those who haven't seen it, you can catch it on YouTube. Um, it's pretty funny. And then, obviously, you had the pleasure of being berated by Tony G in a cash game. What was that about? <laughs> um, that, that was very random as well. I think he was just being uh, – trying to trying to show off or something. He, he – it was very unprofessional. Actually, and I think a little scarring for uh, a lot of people – you know, like he he didn't really uh, 
promote being uh playing poker and like being a gambler very well because i think he kind of tried to make me feel bad about not not putting on a, a straddle when i didn't really have enough money on the table to do it and like he bullied everybody else into doing it and i don't know i've just always rebelled against bullies so um that was a bad look for him i think yeah for sure the announcers even said rightly that you handled it well because the more and more he just kept ranting he looked more and more like uh like a lunatic you know uh and obviously yeah. everyone just let him let him hang himself with that one um yeah i don't think it was a very good look for sure going to 2018 you go down to australia you take down the aussie millions main event for 1.15 million uh how did that feel how did that come as, in, as far as timing in your career how did that work out for you I mean, it, obviously, uh, my first big win was 2010, and I didn't really win a, a, a big title. Uh, I, you know, I had a lot of good caches and bankroll builder stuff, but uh, there wasn't one big win until that, and um, it was. I, I felt great about it at the time. Um, I, I just. I felt like uh, my game was in a, in a, as good a place as it's ever been. I was I spent three months in Colombia, uh, like late 2017, I think it must have been, and uh, basically just worked on my game way more than playing because I don't think you could play online back then, and I didn't really have that much enthusiasm to to grind. I was a little burnt out. And I just I just started working on some solves here and there, and I, I just felt so comfortable in in that tournament. And then obviously, I mean, ran amazing as well. I won a huge flip with um, two tables left against uh, against Espen, uh, and that just gave me like thirty percent of the chips in play. And I, I just didn't really look back from there. So you mentioned that you went into the lab, and most people, when they're feeling burnt out, try to run away from poker, and you kind of just went deeper into the weeds. Um, did you really transform your game at that point with solvers, or it was just a matter of uh, tightening up a few things? I mean, I didn't. Re- I had never really done that much work before then. You know, I, I understood uh, the strategy side of the game, but I didn't really understand a lot of the numbers. And definitely some short stack stuff where I was making pretty big equity mistakes, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, that was around the time where you needed to start understanding that, you know, the game was evolving a lot, a lot, a lot more then. And uh, I can't say I, I enjoyed doing it that much, but like I knew that I had to do it, you know, to stay competitive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I definitely feel like using a lot of the information that that you're given from the solvers and then being able to apply that with my feel i guess or whatever you want to call it the the combination really helped for for live tournaments specifically yeah a few months or actually the next month after that you finished second at the LAPC uh you know that was the that was the tournament where you where you lost to the guy who's now in jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I mean, that was another fun tournament. Obviously, 
uh, I had just come off of the win in Australia, so I was feeling pretty good, and uh, went back to LA where I played a, a good amount. And I can't remember anything too specific about the tournament in terms of like stuff that happened, but I think I just I just ran pretty good and played played pretty decent the whole way through, and um, then there was lots of interest in hands with the with with Dennis because he was just playing like uh like money didn't matter which apparently it didn't. <laughs> yeah he was playing like that money didn't even belong to him yeah yeah somewhat of an unfair advantage actually yeah if you think about it he may have he robbed you of a lot of equity there <laughs> yeah he definitely did for sure but that's okay uh, I'd rather be where I am than where he is so exactly exactly uh I don't think you look good in stripes um Let's see, Aussie Millions. You will you go back in 2019 and you just crush it. Finish second in the 25k, and then you win the 50k. Combined 1.15 million dollars. Um, and then you know the next year you went back to Aussie Millions and you won another side event for another hundred grand. There's got to be something about that venue that uh, makes you feel comfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel sure I, I love it there. It's uh. I don't know if you've been, but it's it's a great place to play poker. Like it's it's in the heart of the city. The the food, the accommodation, uh, that there's all the sporting venues are right there. It, there's there's no better place in the world to play poker, in my opinion, um, especially in the in the Australian summer. So uh, I'll go back there as as many times as they'll have me. Unfortunately, wasn't this year, but. Hopefully in 2023, I guess it would probably be now, but uh, I'll be there then. Hey, you mentioned sports. Uh, you, you're a bit of a, a sports enthusiast, right? Um, a little bit of everything? I'm a sports junkie for sure. There, <laughs> I don't, there's not many sports that I don't have uh, some experience with. Uh, growing up, what was your thing? I mean, soccer specifically at the, growing up but then i started playing cricket and i played a little bit of rugby um and then i got into golf when i was uh, about 11 i think or 12 and that was an addiction for five or six years until poker kind of took over and now i'm back on golf again trying to trying to make that a, a more serious hobby or not not serious but i take it seriously yeah how's the handicap looking I'm a five. It's not not bad, but not, I want to be. That's great. I, I I'm just I'm just praying for the day I get to single digits. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not it's not easy, is it? No, it's and every every one point gets even harder. <laughs> it's it really does. Yeah, it feels like two steps forward, one step back sometimes. Okay, so you're a poker player and you say your handicap's a five, so it's probably actually a three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any big money matches yet? I mean, I know you say you're conservative. You don't like to side gamble, but uh, no. Right? I, 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 let me uh, clarify that. I, I, it's, I, I'm not conservative when it comes to uh, zero EV gambling. I, I gamble way too big at that, but it just like paying juice in the wrong spots. I try not to do. Um, right. Th there's been plenty of golf gambling. Yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy, but. Enough to enough to get shaky over a couple putts here and there. There you go. That makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, and then let's obviously fast forward 
to this year because you returned to live poker in July with a huge uh, three-way chop of the win millions in uh, July. This was a, a chop with Clayton McGuire, Andrew Moreno, and you took home $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, welcome uh, back to live poker, right? Yeah, somewhat. I, I didn't really have any expectations, to be honest, because I haven't really been playing at all before that. Um, I kind of was playing online here and there a little bit. Um, and I, it just, I, I just played great. I was in the, in the zone. Um, I, I think I've made it, or I had made a decision then that I wasn't going to play live poker unless I was fully, uh, like dedicated to, to being there, which I've done a few times before that where, you know, I'm on my phone all the time or just not, not present and like watching basically where I feel like my edge comes from watching people and getting reads and, you know, people give away a lot of information in live tournaments. And so I just was very focused that whole tournament. Um, and I guess it paid off. The, uh, you have two circuit rings. Um, we have a question here. You know, what can you think of a, a close call? Uh, in your career that really stings or maybe a bad punt that you still think about? Oh, well, there's definitely been a lot of punts. Uh, I don't remember where, though. Um, I mean, I I came 53rd, I think, in the main event uh, a few years ago. I I I lost that over set, but then I also just punted it off a little bit afterwards I think just not remembering that I was still in the main event um so that was somewhat of a regret I guess especially when right you get that deep and put that much that many hours into the main event I don't really remember too many other crazy punts but there's definitely been a lot of online punts over the years in high equity situations but I kind of play that way. Last few tables, I, I I don't really I don't play conservatively when it comes to like being deep in tournaments. I try and leverage as much as possible, and sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. You know, just in an effort to get to one of those top three spots. Yeah, and I just feel like my that's one of my biggest edges in tournaments is like being able to put pressure on people without being scared of coming seventeenth or twenty third. Yeah. Uh, we have some rapid-fire questions to close it out, if you're ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was the biggest pot you ever won or lost? Your choice. Um, I, so before I turned 21, uh, I used to spend my summers playing cash games in London, and I can't remember what percentage of my role it was, but it was probably, I was playing uh, 25, 50 pounds, I think. And I won like a forty thousand pound pot, and I, I mean I couldn't have had much more than like a hundred thousand roll, so that was like a, a huge pot to win. I, I had set of a set against somebody else uh, in Hold'em, and that was just like if I had lost that pot, it would have been demoralizing, you know. <laughs> was there ever a moment in your career where you thought ah, I could do something else instead? Um. 
Definitely, but I kind of was always having some success still as well and enjoy it. I always enjoyed getting deep in tournaments and it's more the process of like playing the early stuff that used to annoy me and like make me want to do something else. Uh, and just, I guess, just like the, the lifestyle in general was way more degenerate back then. So you know, it was hard to like keep up with friends or, or have relationships. Um, it's probably a little bit easier now with scheduling. What was your largest non-poker wager? Um, I don't really remember how much, but it was on the uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight I had. That's, that comes up so often on this. It's crazy how often that comes up. Yeah, I had a, a large percentage of uh, my net worth on that. <laughs> and it, it worked out, I hope. <laughs> it did, yeah. All right. Um, who's the best player that we've never heard of? Uh, I don't know. Or just uh, one of your buddies who doesn't get enough love. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not really in the uh, in the know anymore, but... It, a guy who, uh, who used to play a lot, he doesn't really play a lot anymore, but uh, Dan Rudd, his name is, he he, he was uh, online cash game crusher forever. And uh, just like those guys never, never really got any uh, airtime, you know. He he played 3-6 through 25-50 or whatever forever and on every site and just made money every year, year on year, which I always thought was pretty impressive, but... Um, he never he never got any airtime through not playing really tournaments very often. Yeah, there's a whole group of people out there who just kind of quietly show up, take the money, and go home, and they don't get any love because they're doing it anonymously. So shout out to Dan. Yeah, uh, shout out. Yeah. What was the worst job you had before poker? Uh, well, I'm pretty lucky. I know um, you got you got started pretty early. I don't even know if you had a job. Yeah, I, I bagged some groceries for a little while, and uh, I did a did a paper round for a while when I was a kid. But honestly, nothing, <laughs> nothing, no, nothing of to note. To be honest, probably some good life lessons for for whatever it was, fifteen year old back then, getting paid uh, five bucks an hour. To buy you, and, uh, you and Patrick Antonius have that in common. I think he had to deliver newspapers. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. What is your most prized possession? Mm. Probably. Uh, actually, I don't even know. Probably my watch. I, I bought a watch for myself after uh, after I won Aussie Millions as like a a trophy of some sort and I, I don't wear it that often but when I do I just it brings back good memories and I still love it even you know whatever it is three four years later so I think that was probably my best purchase was that your also your biggest splurge your, your biggest treat yourself moment um yeah probably yeah I mean outside of like you know a car or a house or whatever it's probably probably the biggest uh, who is your celebrity doppelganger? Or did people tell you you look like somebody growing up? Um, 
No, I, I don't really have one. I, people have said a bunch of different stuff, but I don't think I look like any of them. Well, here's the, here's the issue, Toby. You look different than your Wikipedia page <laughs> photo uh, currently shows. It's like there's two Tobys. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't have anybody uh, checking my terrible photos out off of, uh, <laughs> off of social media, so... Yeah, this I just looked on Wikipedia. This is not a good photo, but <laughs> it's yeah. It, I don't know. I just, I it doesn't bother me, so I, I it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not a bad photo. It just doesn't look like you anymore. Like yeah, it doesn't. I mean, also like I have like gained and lost a lot of weight over the, like the last twelve, thirteen years. So that I guess that's part of it. You know, golfing in a in Vegas will do that. You'll just melt melt away the pounds. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I eat and drink enough to keep them on, though. There you go. Um, are you superstitious at all? Uh, no, I am one of the least superstitious people you'll ever meet. I'm sure. I I, I just feel like uh, it superstition is it is more hurtful than anything else. And uh, I try and I try and not be superstitious ever. Uh, what was your longest session ever? Um, it was probably like thirty six hours, but like I felt terrible afterwards. <laughs> was it just uh, you chasing a loss, or was there a fish at the table you couldn't quit? Um, it was like a big cash game in London. Uh, I can't remember. I mean, I guess the game must have been really good, but I don't really remember why I played that long. Probably just try being a degenerate, basically, and I was probably stuck. Um, but I would, I would never do that again. I can tell you that. Me- meals at the table. Uh, did I you have your I'm meals like, at the table? Sorry. I was saying, did you have your meals at the table, or did you at least take a break for those? <laughs> No, definitely meals at the table because it was back in the uh, in the in the Vic uh, in London, and they would bring really good food to you. I don't know what the food's like there these days, but back then it was great. And uh, no, I I don't think I ever left the table. Basically, <laughs> that's crazy. But I think after like twelve hours, I was just like playing terribly. So I should have definitely should should have got up before that. Yeah, especially when you got another whole day to go. Do you like telling people you're a professional poker player? I do not like telling people I'm a professional poker player. <laughs> I mean, mostly because you, you know you get like the 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 very normal questions of you know uh, how much have you lost or uh, blackjack questions or something, and <laughs> I've answered those a million times. Um, if it's people that you know understand, have played poker or understand poker, it's it's more tolerable then. But I think just going through the same um, same answers to and trying to explain to people that poker is not quite as degenerate as uh, as giving the casino money. So you get into a, a a Lyft or an Uber, and the guy says, "So what do you do for a living? What's your lie?" Mm, I normally just say uh, like investor or something or just something boring where like hopefully they wouldn't ask another question i mean it's not technically a lie you're you're investing 
frequently in small cards. There you go, <laughs> see? Um, I, I'm definitely the kind of person that ha- would have, like, the silent, like, the no-talking sign-up if, uh, if Uber has that. <laughs> Do you have a nemesis, uh, somebody you can't beat, or someone that's always held over you? Um... Damn, some good questions, but something I've never thought about. No one, no one that really comes to mind. Um, Other than that, you know, Martin McCormick guy. Martin McCormick guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, no, it's, I got the better of him, you know. Still, I still it's finish true. better than him. Uh, yeah, I would still have a drink with him. Don't worry. <laughs> what is the talent that you don't have that you wish you did? Talent I wish I could have. No three putts, obviously. Mm, I'd like to learn to fly. That, 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 that would be a talent I wish I could have. Yeah, get your, get your pilot's license or like actually... Yeah, yeah, I think that would be kind of fun. That would be cool. That takes a lot of time, though. It does take a I, lot of time. But I got time. Vision? You I have got to have time. good vision, right? Yeah, I got good vision. That's okay. There we go. Um, we have a few more here, and then I'll let you go. Sure. Uh, do you use any movie quotes on a regular basis? Uh, no. I mean, I use a couple uh, British office quotes every now and again. That's about it. Yeah? Like what? <laughs> Are you even allowed to say them? <laughs> yeah, they're probably too rude. Um, <laughs> The best of uh, Ricky Gervais. Um, what is your bold prediction for poker's future? My bold prediction. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's poker podcast. So I'm not very bullish on poker in in the future, but uh, well, online anyway. I, I think live poker will, will be able to flourish for a little bit longer. Just. A lot of these companies that are uh, in poker right now are not thinking about the long term enough and definitely thinking about their bottom line too much. Um, and I just think that's a it's a bad bad strategy overall for, for the ecosystem. But I've been thinking that for a long time. I was saying bad things about all these different companies, you know, five, six years ago, and they're still around. So um, I just think that, like, Online poker will die out in the next 10 years. Just because it'll get too tough for people to be interested in? It's already too tough, yeah. People lose too fast. If you want to play recreationally playing and play up again, you know, bigger than micro stakes, like, you're going to get killed unless you understand uh, you do some studying or or you understand some strategy. Uh, do you have a favorite movie? Uh, the Dark Knight. Oh, okay, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. And do you Christian have Nolan. Do you have a, a favorite gambling movie? Um, I mean, I I don't love Rounders, but it is definitely sort of the iconic poker movie. Um, 
No, other than that, I don't really have a good gambling movie, but I, I like Rounders. I would watch it every once every couple of years. Biggest pet peeve at the table. Biggest pet peeve at the table. Uh, I have a lot of those. <laughs> Pro- probably people just like taking so long to fold when they know they're folding and they're doing it like for as an act to try and like preserve like their image or I don't know what they're trying to do, but that's probably like a time wasting thing. Yeah. It's infuriating. Like if you're going to take time, at least do something. (laughs) Don't just fold. Right. I mean, you you just, you know, within like 20 or 30 seconds, if a guy's ever going to call or not, and likely it's 99% of the time it's no. Um, we end the podcast the same way every time with a question from the random question generator. Here we go. Do-do-do. Were you part of the popular crowd? Was I part of the popular crowd? Certainly not at school. Um, no? no. Were, you, were, you a, were you like the class clown? Were you, you the studious type? Well, I was the class clown, yeah. I was, try, I was trying to be cool. Yeah, didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't really fit in that well. Yeah, I, I don't. Not, I didn't stand out as like weird, but I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't in the cool crowd either. And then you found your people, the poker community. <laughs> I guess so. I guess the so. rest of the the rest of the misfits, except yeah, for you I, with open arms. <laughs> I think that's probably a good way to clar- class. Uh, poker players misfits <laughs> toby thank you so much for uh for coming on the podcast and sharing the stories thanks Uga. that's it that's the show go follow toby on twitter at 810 of clubs and while you're there follow us at card player media or at poker underscore stories make sure you are subscribed to get the latest poker stories podcast episodes as they come out and if you like what you heard Please do us a favor by leaving a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening.